This is the Student Leadership News Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Student Leadership News Podcast. It's great to have you back with us again. Today, it is Cameron with you, but today I'm joined by a very special guest. Now, this guest is a world rec- what was a world record holder before it was stolen away from him, but he was one of the youngest people to fly around the world solo at just the age of 18 in a single engine aircraft. With the mission uh, named Wings Around the World, Lockie set out to prove to other young people the power of hard work and persistence. Lockie, welcome to the podcast. G'day Cam, thanks for having me. Oh, our pleasure. Now Lockie, I know a bit about you. I didn't really do you too much justice there. <laughs> what is it actually like flying around the world in an aircraft with like a small engine? Tell me how big was the aircraft? Yeah, all. the aircraft, it was called a Cirrus SR-22. So basically it's a single engine aircraft. The inside of the cockpit's about the same size as a Suzuki Swift. So there's not a whole lot of room on the inside of it. And, uh, but it's a beautiful machine to fly. And how many days did you spend in it? The trip itself was 54 days and I was flying every second day. So a lot of time, 155 hours over two months. Oh my goodness, that's a lot of hours. <laughs> I don't know if I could spend that much time in such a small area. <laughs> and uh, overall, what was the experience like? Experience was, it was phenomenal. Yep. It's, it's almost impossible to try and sum up into one word though, because don't get me wrong, while it had its great times and super exciting moments, it definitely had its trying and challenging times as well. Yep. Um, everything from massive weather, uh, over the Pacific Ocean to threats of arrest in Southeast Asia and, and worrying about getting shot down in the Middle East and all yeah. sorts of crazy adventures. But it was uh, it was really life-changing experience. Yeah, and I've I've heard your story a few times and it's excellent and it's crazy. Uh, yeah, you were telling some of the things there, almost getting shot down uh, in Saudi Arabia, was it that you uh, said? It was, in the Egypt, Middle East. Egypt was the concern, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. Egypt. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, I couldn't even imagine that. <laughs> that would be very scary. Um, but that's not all you do. So you've flown around the world and at the young age of 18, you just finished school at the time, am I correct? Yes. Yeah, the year before. So I finished in, in 2014, flew around the world in 2016. Excellent. Wow. Okay. So not too long after you finished school and did something crazy. But that's not all you do. You do a bunch of other stuff as well. One of those things is that you speak uh, and you inspire students all across Australia with your message of persistence and also this uh, this story of flying around the world as a young 18-year-old. Lucky, you're at the moment, you're a guest on the National Young Leaders Day tour, doing a few of the events there, but that's not all you're doing at the moment. Share with everyone before we jump into this episode, what's some of the fun, exciting speaking engagements that you've got coming up? Sure, certainly. We've got um, some really exciting things happening at the moment on the speaking front. So of course, the tour with you guys, National Young Leaders Days. Uh, There's also some corporate events that I'm doing around the country as well in all sorts of industries from finance to pharmaceutical and everything in between agriculture. Um, speaking about how young people can be integrated into business and the best ways to lead your young staff. And it's an absolutely phenomenal experience and journey getting out there, motivating people and sharing a bit of my story and experience. I'm um, really enjoying it. Oh, wow. That is that is sensational. And then coming up, you've got the uh, you've got some speaking gigs with Just Schools, where schools can book you to come in and share your story, right? That's correct. Yes. In June, we've got uh, the first, hopefully, of, of a few school speaking tours in Southeast Queensland uh, in June this year. Excellent. Okay. Well, we'll put some details at the end of this podcast that people can jump on and they can express their interest if they want to do that. But for now, let's jump into the podcast and... We're going to hit it, uh, hit it straight in with a uh, BLT. 
BOT, best leadership tip. BLT, lucky best leadership tip. But we always talk about sandwiches here. Um, for some reason, it's just the theme of the podcast. Caleb in particular really likes his BLTs. Are you a BLT fan? Look, I'm a BLT fan, but if you're asking me my favorite, I can't go past a good chicken and cheese. Okay. So BLT isn't even the top one. It's chicken no. and cheese is the best one. I can BLT is a strong like second. Okay. Okay. But chicken and cheese takes it off chicken the top cheese. one. Chicken and cheese. Toasted. <laughs> okay. Maybe we'll have to make a segment called the chicken and cheese segment or something. I like reckon. That. I love that. Okay. Uh, BLT is probably one of my favorite, but I probably actually like the chicken and cheese if it's toasted. There Maybe equal. BLT. I'm converting one yeah, by one. Yeah, yeah, it, it is a great <laughs> one, but that's not what we're going to talk about. We always get sidetracked with the food. All right, Lockie, BLT. What's your best leadership tip for students out there? Look, I'm going to say my best leadership tip is not being afraid to learn from the hard times. So this is a classic trap. A lot of people, especially, and I made this early on when I hit my first leadership position with the Air Force Cadets. When you get into a leadership position for the first time, you think that's it. I've made it, and now everyone's going to learn from me and I'm going to be able to tell people what to do. But the truth is you never learn more or in a faster fashion than when you get into a leadership position. Mm. I'll give you an example. When I was preparing for the world flight, uh, obviously I did a lot of aviation preparation. I wanted yep. to be as prepared as I could be as a pilot because what I was going to do is potentially very dangerous, obviously. And so as part of that preparation, I was flying around Australia in my light aircraft, the Cirrus that I called Albert. And, uh, and I was flying across in this particular day from Melbourne down over to Tasmania. Okay. And that's a, usually what kind of weather is this like across there? Because I know the water usually is pretty crazy, Tasman Sea kind of yep, area. Yep. Same in the air? Look, it depends on the day. Sometimes okay. you have a beautiful clear day, nice and sunny. And other times you've got raging storms uh, all the way across the Bass Strait. Yeah, okay. And on this day in particular, it was uh, forecast to be not too great, but I had plenty of fuel on board. I knew I could turn back if I needed to and get out of the weather. And what I should have done in reality, in the hindsight of experience, is not risked it at all. Yeah. But I decided I wanted to know the limitations of my aircraft and my limitations as a pilot. And so I started across on this day where there's a few storms around. And as I reached the north coast of Tasmania, everything was relatively smooth sailing up until then. A massive band of storms was ahead of me. And instead of going back, I thought I'll try and make it through. Uh, I had some weather reports in front of me. I didn't realize they were a bit too old. I wasn't getting live data. Oh, no. And... Uh, and as soon as I entered into those storms, instead of going around them like I'd planned to, I ended up right in the middle of, of one of the storms. The aircraft's being tossed around the sky. I'm in there 18. This is the first time I've been in a really scary situation in an aeroplane on my own. And, uh, and then it all hit me at once that I need to take an ego check, like right here. Yep. And I fought the aeroplane down and eventually did land it safely in 65 kilometer an hour gusting winds into Launceston after massive electronic failures instrument dropouts, communications failures. My tracking system had alerted my whole family that the aircraft was in distress and like everything had gone wrong at oh, this wow. one moment. And I thought I haven't even taken off yet. Like this has got to be the worst it can possibly get. Yep. Fast forward three months, I'm now on the world flight and I'd, I'd done my first two legs over the Pacific Ocean. I'm now flying between two little islands. And I, I came into this situation where I was really heavy with fuel. The aircraft was overweight, meaning it was quite hard to fly. I was, this time I didn't have uh, land anywhere near me, 600 kilometers away from the closest piece of land. And again, I run into a massive band of storms. And again, the aircraft's being tossed around and I lose all my communications and, and I lose my engine instruments and things are going wrong. But now that I had the hindsight 
and the experience of where I'd massively failed, I realized that setbacks are the foundations to success. And that time that I'd failed massively in Tasmania was now the opportunity that I needed to learn. And now I was able to get through this situation, which was exponentially more dangerous in a really safe manner. And I managed to land the aircraft safely uh, eight hours later. Oh, good job. <laughs> that's, that's insane. So everything in the aircraft dropped out. Everything like the aircraft turned off basically in like lame person terms. <laughs> the engine was still running, uh, yep. but essentially the electronics got overloaded because of a static buildup because okay. of all the rain clouds outside um, and it dropped most of the electronics out. So I couldn't communicate out. Uh, didn't have much navigation. I still had some of the GPS working, um, but a lot of the aircraft was, was failing. The engine wasn't tracking properly. I couldn't see the instruments. Uh, displaying correctly and it was back down to redundancies which is not where you want to be no that doesn't sound like fun at all mm -hmm. nah. i think that's something that's i like what you said that setbacks is the foundation for success because yep. you know that's that's something that everyone faces is setbacks throughout their life you know like yep. not everyone's going to be up in an airplane uh <laughs> and with their, their whole electronic system failing or anything like that but uh everyone throughout their time especially student leaders uh, there's so many things that people want to do. There's maybe goals that people have set up yep. and constantly we're set back in different ways, whether it's our ideas are shut down or whether uh, we don't achieve the goals that we want to do. Mm. Setbacks do turn around and like help us succeed in a bigger way. Absolutely. Do you find that that has been your experience for students that you've talked to as well? Is that like Absolutely. the best students, the ones who've gone the furthest are the ones who took those setbacks and like turned around? Yeah, absolutely. And don't get me wrong. It's never easy to deal with setbacks because when you fail, like you feel like it's a negative, right? Yeah. But um, I'll tell you who the, the people I've found that have actually dealt with setbacks and hard times the best. Uh, every year in September, I have the, the honor of going over with NCC, my old school, yep. uh, to Fiji to take. Shout out to them yeah, up in, uh, up in the Sunshine College. Coast. Yep. yep. Uh, and we go over and we take a bunch of high school students, usually year 12s or year 11s. Uh, and we spend two weeks over in Fiji, not in glitzy resorts. We're spending it in the villages with the people and we're helping out as best we can. Amazing. And some of these kids, are, their families are living on $20 a month oh, wow. for a family of four. Like I, I spend more than that on coffee every week. And I feel guilty for that. Yep. Um, but these people are so happy. And I realize that the way that they deal with hard times is through gratitude. Mm. They're thankful. Every time something goes wrong, they're thankful that they've learned something from that. And they're also thankful for what they do still have. And when you use gratitude to treat hard times, it really takes the pain and takes the sting away from that failure. And I think that's just, it's absolutely so applicable to us as young people um, that when something does go wrong, take a moment, acknowledge it, figure out why it's gone wrong, and then be thankful that you've learned something. And all of a sudden, it doesn't seem like such a bad thing. Oh, excellent. What a great BLT. What a great best leadership tip there. Thanks, Lockie, for that. No uh, let's jump into... Uh, your top three. Three, two, one. Top three. Now, usually we jump into top three of a particular topic, but Lockie, I've asked you to just give us your top three pieces of mm -hmm. leadership advice. So you shared with us your best leadership tip, yep. but now you're going to share with us your top three kind of pieces of leadership advice. Go away. Go go with them. Go tell with us, it. Go, with, go right. with all of them and tell us all more. Sure. All right. So the first one I think I'd like to talk about is probably leading by example. Um, when we're in a leadership position, especially as a young person, one thing we tend to lack is credibility, right? Because we don't have a lot of runs on the board. We haven't had a lot of time to prove ourselves. And so in that time when we're leading with that set of circumstances, it's really important that you never ask someone to do something you wouldn't be willing to do 
and you must lead by example. That's mm. that's the reason I did the world flight. Like yep. I, uh, I'd see my friends come up to me and other people in my grade and they say, look, I've got this phenomenal idea. I want to own my first home by 18. Wow. Or something like, you yeah, know, I want to yeah. start a business by 21. And I go, that's fantastic. Yeah. Go for it. Why, why not? And they go, I'm too young. It's too hard. I don't have enough experience, money, all the excuses we can, mm. we can come up with as young people. And so I thought, what can I do that's really, really challenging at a young age to try and prove them wrong? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they are correct. But I had a, I had a hunch that I reckon we've got more capabilities, young people. And so that's when I took it upon myself that I really loved flying. And I thought maybe I can do this around the world adventure flight and, and break a world record in the process to first lead by example before I get on my soapbox and start telling people that those excuses are wrong. And if it comes down to it with enough hard work and persistence, we can get through as young people. Yeah, so that's wow. my first tip. Well, I mean, you know, most people, if they're going to tell someone to, you know, lead the way or do an example, they're probably going to do something that at least is like, it's like, oh, okay, uh, you know, I'll run a marathon or something like that. You know, something outside my comfort zone, I'll do that. Um, but lots of people accomplish a marathon each year. Mm. Not many people <laughs> accomplish flying around the world solo, especially at a young age. Loggy, there is a stat. How many people have done that? How many people have actually achieved uh, underneath? Um, I forget what it was. Who, do you know how many people have actually completed the single solo world flight around the world. Okay. So yeah, that there have been 127 people that have flown solo around the world. And to put that in perspective, I'm not trying to boost myself up here because there's 126 no, no, yep. other phenomenal stories yeah, out exactly there. Right. But uh, only four of them have been teenagers and there've been 4,042 people have climbed Mount Everest. So it's like, it's a pretty small bunch of people that have been <laughs> crazy, maybe stupid enough to take on this <laughs> yeah. task of flying around the world. It's a, it's a cool group to be a part of. So you're one of four. Teenagers, teenagers who were able to do it. Uh, and you said 4,000 people have climbed Mount Everest. Yeah. Which like everyone already thinks is a mighty, mighty fate to achieve. Uh, and then you're one of a smaller group than that. So that's insane. And so what a, what a legacy to leave, but also what a, an inspiration to be for those people around you to say, you know, there is no setbacks big enough that we can't overcome. Excellent, Lockie. I love that first tip right there. Okay. What's your second one? Thanks. All right. Uh, the second tip. I reckon I'm going to talk about is to not play the comparison game. So what this really comes down to is knowing what success is for you. So for me, success was flying around the world solo at the age of 18. And if that's success for you, fantastic. I'd love to chat afterwards. That's yeah, phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> love to know about it. But odds are it's not. Um, yep. Odds are success is something different to you. And it's the same thing for, say, Usain Bolt and Chris Hemsworth. Yep. Success for Usain Bolt is running 100-meter sprint faster than any man on the planet. Yep. You achieve that. And everyone says Usain Bolt is phenomenally successful. Yeah. Really cool. Yep. And then by the same measure, we say Chris Hemsworth is also incredibly successful because his definition of success is acting and acting really well yep. and doing a lot of movies. And he's done that really well. But if you compare Chris Hemsworth to Usain Bolt by the same metric being running, yep. Usain Bolt's a success, whereas Chris Hemsworth is an absolute failure. <laughs> yes, right? But yep. no one ever says Chris, Bolt, uh, Chris Hemsworth is a, is a failure, right? No, no. They wouldn't say that because, you know, how could you, you know, call Thor an absolute failure? <laughs> exactly. It'd be a bit scary to do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly it? right. <laughs> <laughs> but then again, if you, if you go the other way around, you know, if you've seen any of the Optus ads, you'd also know that Usain Bolt is no actor when it comes to performing, right? And he's no Chris Hemsworth. And so it really comes down to the metrics. While I'm on a field running to the left, because that's where my set of goalposts are, your set of goalposts might be on the right. But if you spend your time comparing yourself to me or to any other person, and they're running in a certain direction, you're running in the opposite direction, you're questioning, you know, am I actually doing the right thing? Or am I actually failing? 
need to take away that comparison because really you need to know that your goals are on the right hand side of the field and that's the direction you should be going in. So not playing the comparison game, knowing your own version of success, I think is super important. Oh, that's so important, especially as student leaders. I mean, there's so many different things, not only for looking after school and, mm. you know, think about whether you want to go into the workforce or jobs or anything like that or uni. Exactly. Uh, there's so many different metrics of success, but I guess it's up to us to define what success has to look like for us. Because if, if we look at everyone else and say, you know, they were successful, then I have to achieve the same level in my field. Then it's always going to, you know, as you said before, it's not going to actually add up and it will make us play that comparison game. And as any student leader knows out there, if you play comparison game or as any person out there knows, Mm. play the comparison game, it's a game you're always going to lose because you'll never feel like you add up to someone else around you. Exactly right. There's enough of everybody else out there. It's time to be yourself. Oh, love that line. Okay. Lucky in number three, what's your third uh, top three leadership tip for us my number three top tip for leadership is to make space for your creativity and what's so important creativity is so important it why is, is this one so important to you though this Lockie? one's particularly important to me because i used to fall into the trap of not leaving any space for my creativity because what's in fashion now right 70 hour work weeks yep. hustle harder yep. hustle 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 yep. all <laughs> these buzzwords that people use right they spend their time working themselves to the bone but when do your best ideas come, Ken? Uh, definitely in the shower. The shower. Definitely in the shower. Absolutely. And I always am like, oh, this is the best idea I've ever come out with. And then I like I jump out of the shower, I'm to my phone like three minutes later and uh, I've forgotten the idea. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly right. Another great, for me, I always get ideas in the middle of the night yeah, okay. or when I'm brushing my teeth. Yeah. But what do those three things have in common is, is the fact that we're not distracted by something else. That's true. We're not on our phones. We're not working for the sake of working. We're not hustling, as everybody yep. says. Yep. Our most creative and sometimes our best ideas often come when we leave our mind a little bit blank and give our subconscious some time to work. Uh, and so I think leaving some time and some space in your head for creativity, times in the day where you're not distracted or on your phone, times where you're not working, when you're not studying, when you're not doing anything else other than being bored, which is something we've become terrible at as a generation of yep. young people. When you leave some time to be bored, that's when your most creative ideas can come. And I think that's something that as young leaders, we need to be really mindful of because you have to come up with creative ideas to stand out and to get your followers to stand out with you. Because if you're not coming up with creative ideas, you're just doing what everyone else is already doing. That's very true. I think it's so easy for student leaders um, to, especially most student leaders out there are pretty good at something and they've stood out in some way already. They're already yeah. doing something different to everyone else. And that's why they're standing out. Exactly. But then they fall into this trap of just, you know, getting student leadership stuff done. You know, yeah. they want to create events and they just start doing stuff for the sake of doing stuff because that's what it looks like to be a successful student leader, have all these different events yeah. going and they never actually take time. Like you said, to be creative and think outside the box of what something that could leave a legacy for their school or what's something that could actually make a big difference instead of running, you know, a hundred of the funnest events throughout the year that yep. do nothing for anyone in the end. Exactly right. It comes down to, to the intent. And one of my biggest gripes that I've got with the education system is this, it seems to be this mindset that you're either creative or you're analytical, you're artsy or you're maths, you're science. Mm. Like it's not true. Yep. At the end of the day, you're not like some people, yes, I match naturally was a lot better at maths than I was at English and art. Like I can't draw at all. Yeah, neither can I. <laughs> but, the th- <laughs> but the thing is, there's other ways to be creative. Yep. And and I guess the ways that I've tackled problems and problem solving being very creative uh, in their own right. And the thing is to box yourself in automatically as not being creative is limiting you just by what you're saying. You shouldn't put those limits on yourself, especially while you're in school, because that's the time when you're supposed to be growing the most and you can achieve a hell of a lot in school. 
Yes, that's exactly right. You can achieve so much in school. And I mean, it's one of those best times in life where you don't have those other distractions. You don't have to worry about too much else outside of school. You know, some people have part-time jobs and that's really good or they do mm. stuff in the community, great things. But, you know, you can really nail down and, you know, knuckle down and doing the things that you really want to do during school and yeah. not have to split your focus between a lot of things. So, yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, it's... um. And don't get me wrong, there's a lot of room for hard work and I don't yeah. want to rule that out by what I'm saying, yeah. but it's also important to leave space at some stage every single day to do something creative to keep that right-hand side of your brain working. I love that. Okay, that's there you go. So be creative, make space for creativity as well. Yeah. There you go, top three. I love those top three. I'm gonna, I'm, there's stuff that I need to take away and I start applying to my life in those top three as well. Thanks awesome. for sharing them with us, Lockie. Pleasure. Um, Thanks for coming on the podcast. This is all the time we've got for today. Uh, but student leaders, how can they get in contact with you? Or teachers, How? what's the best way? Is it a social media platform that you post on or anything like that? Where yeah, absolutely. Uh, on Instagram. So it's at LockieSmart2. Feel free to check that out. Otherwise, we've got a website as well, LockieSmart.com. And on there, there's ways to get in touch through email and, and other methods as well. So look forward to reaching out and uh, keeping in touch with people. Yeah, excellent. And you've got that school tour coming up. So school teachers if you want to get in contact about him possibly coming to your school i believe you're staying on the sunshine coast and then you're going out from there and there's lots of opportunities for schools to get involved if they do want to get involved then they should send a message through to australia halogen.org.au i believe am i right in that one Lockie? yep or alternatively uh for for speaking booking speakers at halogen.org.au and that's the best way to get in touch for your school. That's the one. Excellent. Well, uh, feel free to get in contact with Lockie. Feel free to continue to write in great ways that you can make a difference at your school. Thanks for listening to this episode. And uh, Lockie, you may even be back in the future with some more inspiring stories. Love to. Because um, those were so good. Thanks for being involved with this podcast. Thanks, Ken. And for everyone else, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Student Leadership News Podcast. Interact with us on social media and follow the news online at studentleadership.news.